life might hand you budgets, schedules, family, and responsibility. But driving shouldn't be just another chore. We're here to help you find a car you love. Something that fits your budget and your needs, but is fun to drive and makes you look back. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car to Be. We had so much fun on the last podcast. Number 250, all questions. <laughs> oh, yes, we did. Thank you guys again for all the questions. And it was cool that it kind of came out after, you know, right after Thanksgiving. It was Thanksgiving weekend here in the U.S. Yeah, right, right. So it was just fun for us to have that as kind of a little break podcast. Thank you guys. Again, thank you for just following along with the show in general. Thank you for all the questions. Yeah, Thank you definitely. for all the ratings, reviews, the shares. We got some, actually, I don't know if you read all of them. We got quite a few really nice notes on Thanksgiving, too. So thank you, guys, yeah, all of you that interact with the show. It's very, very nice. We really appreciate it. Fun to read. Yeah, thank you, guys. We are back with another podcast, uh, the week of the L.A. Auto Show Press and Media Days. Yes. So we are podcasting before I take off to head to L.A. and go to that. Guess what I'm doing? Lots of meetings. I will be editing. <laughs> I actually, you know what? I actually didn't edit much over Thanksgiving weekend. You needed a break, and I, I'm glad you took the break. I took, I had, you know, I am. we all had roughly four days. I took about two and a half. I, did, I mean, I can't say I didn't do anything. I took about two and a half, three of those days and didn't do anything. And then I got into color, which color okay. correction actually right. for me is in a, its own way almost soothing. It's it. I get in this kind of zen place on color. I play music. That's funny, you know. And I'm doing color corrections. I'm doing color correction because episode one actually for our season two is about to ship. That ships in like a week. Yeah, yeah. But then that starts the madness. Like every week an episode is due. So I just knew. Okay, I'm playing now. Gotta pay later. <laughs> you know, it's like college when you're crabbing for a test. I'll yeah, study later. Good. But it was a good weekend for it's sure. I hope good. all of you listening had a great weekend. We have two really cool car debates. We've got David in Southern California. We've also got uh, Nicholas writing in from uh, Lafayette. And uh, we also have many, many questions, many of which are very good. Yeah, speaking of which, I had the opportunity to visit my family up in Seattle this weekend. Yeah, yeah. It rained. Lo and behold, it rains in Seattle. That's weird. Who knew? That's crazy. Anyway, so I saw this puma, this Brazilian puma, and posted the picture on Instagram if you have not saw seen that. that. Yeah. Really strange car and of course the engine died as he pulled into the parking lot. So a bunch of people, you know, kind of came out to help him push the car out of the way and I was going, "What is this thing?" Mm -hmm. So built for a while, they were powered by Volkswagen engines for a little while, 80 to 85 somewhere in there and then they went through the Mercedes taillight craze that they all mm -hmm. loved on mm -hmm. those cars. Mm -hmm. Interesting car, but then it, you know, he started up and it sounds like a Beetle. Like, okay, sure, interesting, yeah, cool. Yeah. wonder how that is to drive. Probably interesting and pretty fun. But uh, yeah, I posted that, and as Todd said, gives us lots of questions, yeah. which we'll get to after the debates here. So we do have David out in Southern California, and David has written to us before, as a matter of fact. Yes, and David, actually, we've interacted back and forth with him. How are you, man? He has actually tried to get us into his a long way from stock 93 <laughs> MR2 Turbo. Uh, but because it is kind of an ongoing project car, it doesn't always run like he would like. And we've on, tried on a couple of occasions to actually get in that car and make it for a fast blast. And uh, honestly, there's not another way to put it. Just all the pieces haven't properly aligned. Our schedule, the car is at a certain yeah, stage, right. whatever. Right. So that hasn't happened. But what's interesting is that David is looking around and going, I have a little bit of money Maybe it's time to move on from the MR2. Fair amount of money, actually. Yeah, and, and, do, and, and chase a real dream car. This is pretty cool. So he's out in California, and this is his childhood dream of owning a GTR. Yeah. So the story is, ever since he was 15, the R34 GTR was a dream car, or the dream car for sure. he and many of his friends. But, of course, it never, never came to the U.S. This was the Gran Turismo disease. 
Yes. Everybody I fell in love with that car into that. because of that game, and it was Forbidden Fruit, and everybody over here said, I must have one, mm-hmm. and couldn't. Well, we have an R32 Fast Blast coming out here shortly Yes, that is waiting in the wings for whenever Skyline, your yeah. other editing mm-hmm. oh, yes. know, when, gets when accomplished. I, when I'm sitting around and doing nothing, no I'll edit pressure. those. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. So we do have that coming out, and that was a right-hand drive car, which we mm-hmm. enjoyed thoroughly. Can't yes. wait to share with that with you. But then the R35 for David came out, and in the 09 model year. And yeah, many of yeah. you have probably seen our review on YouTube of this first-gen R35 Nissan GTR. Yes. If you haven't seen it, go back and watch it because many of the things you and I have said in this video still ring true mm-hmm. as far as our opinions about the car. True. And then we did a follow-up where we got a 2010 with a 20, was it a 14? I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Or was 14. it 2012? I think it was a 14. Yeah. 2010 and 2014. Yeah. And we had it with the Evo. We talked about how the, uh, yeah, it was a 14 because we talked about how the GTR was progressing. This is one of those cars in the R35 that every year they tweak something. Mm-hmm. And yet right. if you look back... Oh, nine. That means that car has been around in this current form, I realize with a ton of tweaks, for almost a decade now. That's kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's a weird thought. Well, so David has just recently turned 30, and to su- the surprise of his 15-year-old self, and now his <laughs> yeah. current self, he's in a financial position to be able to afford his dream car, because, mm-hmm. of course, it is here. He He never thought that this would be possible. Sure, It was sure. a dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think for many of us, you know, the car that is the dream, of course, we haven't actually driven it, so we don't know what that's like, but mm, based mm. on everything we read and see, and you've driven it a zillion miles on every track, real or man-made. Yeah, in the digital world, In the digital for sure. world, yeah, yeah. you know, so he's done all that stuff, and he's uh, been expanding his car tastes, as Todd has mentioned, his MR2, but uh, he's still back to this $62,000 budget mm-hmm. that he throttled me back to 64000 Yeah, he said, if, if you're going to go crazy, Paul, you still can't go above sixty-four. He would like to be, <laughs> uh, look, this is the upper end. He'd love to be in the 50s if possible. Right, which we might be able to do. Mm-hmm. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, well, yeah. Anyway, so currently this MR2 Turbo with yeah. many modifications, yeah. as you said, he only drives it on the weekends, mm-hmm. canyon driving, Bought it with his own money. What I find interesting is his daily. Yeah. His daily has been a current gen, the 2013 Mazda 3 hatchback with a Skyactiv engine. We we like this car. We, you've heard us. Uh, pick a podcast. We almost talk about that car. Okay? <laughs> right, right. So that is a great car. It's been a perfect commute car for him. He really has zero complaints with that car, except that is the thing that's going, which means, if you read between the lines, what we're chasing is a GTR daily. Kind of crazy to think about. All right, so I'm, I've got some thoughts for you, David, here, and I'll get there. But part of the story is that you've driven many other cars. He's not including the whole list, but Ram trucks, Honda Civics, E63, AMG, and including a 488 GTB Ferrari. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. That's probably a lot of fun to drive. Very cool, yeah. So his requirements for this new car... He wants a true dual clutch, mm-hmm. and he says mm-hmm. in here, wet or dry. I don't know of too many dry dual clutch transmissions. The ones that are don't seem to last very well. All-wheel drive must be rear-wheel drive biased, but no front-wheel drive. Mm-hmm. He could also do just only rear-wheel drive. Prefers Japanese cars. German is okay, but no 911s of any kind. That is an interesting little side <laughs> note he makes here, for sure, yeah. American cars, he, he's open to things. And I'm mm-hmm. glad to hear the tone of your email here, David, is that... Typically, when we get the GTR email, it's it's the bestest, mostest, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, the car. 
And yeah. it seems like you're open to it, but your email also does not include if you have driven it or not. That's a great point. I think That's you a great have. Point. I'm assuming you have. It suggests it, but it's not clear it's that not clear in though. all the GTRs I've driven, my conclusion is this. That's not in here. Right. That's true. Okay, so what else? Maintenance prices, not too much of a concern, but they can't be, you know, Ferrari kinds of maintenance. Not, not, well, not the engine-removing Ferrari world. It's got to be, yes. like, at least something in the realm of reality. Yes, right. And uh, also a back seat. He's requiring a back seat and a decent trunk or hatchback is fine. Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing here is he wants something exciting, and he values cars that are uncommon or very unique kinds of cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is cool. So nothing high performance, but tongue-in-cheek on the high-performance part. He's talking about GT3 or RS types of cars where it's just well, kind of track the, only. The track-down, stripped-out cars. Yeah, yeah, I get that Despite for sure. Despite your for MR2. Sure. That's sort of ironic there, David. Well, but, but, this, but here's the thing. This is the daily. That's what's right. so interesting about right. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so jumping in with, uh, I, I started in one place, and then I went another, and then I wandered back to my original list, and then I added okay. one at the end all right. All right. that I feel pretty stoked about, although it doesn't hit all of your bullet points here. Okay. So, starting with a car that you and I have driven, I think this is higher on your list than mine, but okay. both of us agree that the Mitsubishi Evo 10 MR, mm-hmm. with its dual clutch, has to be driven, because... As you said, as part of that film, the generations of, yeah, of yeah, the yeah. GTR, mm-hmm. we brought along a Mitsubishi Evo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's kind of like a mini GTR. It is. It's it's an interesting discussion point. And of all the cars to have a really good dual clutch, that one does. Now, right. for those of you that are screaming at the podcast already, I know you can't turn it into a 500-horsepower monster <laughs> and that, that, that transmission won't survive. I get that. I know that. But if you're using it as your daily... That, none of that's the issue, right? Okay, that when that car, when when that transmission f- is less than ideal or gets overworked, is heavy duty track work or lots of massive tuning. Mm-hmm. But this is yeah. the daily car, and yeah. in all of those regards, it's a great transmission, and, and it's fun on a back road. Unless you do like a brake stand. By the way, it does not like that. Unless you do a brake stand, it's <laughs> how fine. How do you know that? I have no idea. I don't even know. How I have any idea how I know that? But it, but it is it, here because you like that GTR so much. I'm very curious, I agree with you, for him to drive it. I mean, he's, I been, yeah. he's been very cool in his email about, you know, it doesn't say GTR, GTR, GTR it everywhere doesn't. in It doesn't, here. for sure. I know it's on your mind, mm-hmm. and it probably might be the car that you end up getting. But yeah. I, I yeah. like your open-mindedness, and I like that you're coming in here with, uh-huh, for hey, sure. guys, for you sure. tell me I'm open because tastes do change. Yeah, for sure. Unless you're a Porsche freak. Well, there is a different problem when you're in swimming in the pool of Porsche. Yes, right. I get that. And you own Porsche Cologne. Yeah, yeah. You're Let not helping me. yourself in this conversation. No, yeah. I'm not, am I? To kind of digging yeah, the hole. Your proclivities are on display here, What's for the sure. bottom of this hole? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to dig deeper. <laughs> okay, so also on this list has got to be a BMW E90 M3. And I say E90 because it is the okay. four-door with the back seat, even sure. though the, I know the coupe does too. Sure, yeah, but yeah. it's more accessible. Love the dual clutch in that car. Tons of money left over. You can get a nice one and have money left over. Which is a thing. That's yeah. not a bad thing, as a matter of yeah, yeah, fact. Yeah. And that's a that's a great daily car too. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. just you know you want to commute in that fine. And I just don't see them. And, and that's the great point as well. The E ninety is not common, right? In L A, the E ninety two, the coupe you're going to see them. The E ninety, the four door, that's not a car you see everywhere. It just it looks stubbier and and more muscular to my eye. I've always liked it better than the coupe, which is weird, but I always yeah. have. Yeah. So after that, you could go M four, but I stayed with the F eighty BMW M three. 
because of oh, the more okay. modern features. We do sure. like that car a lot. Sure, yeah, yeah. I would suggest the competition pack, but of course that pushes up your price mm-hmm. if you can find one. Yeah, can you find a used and even makes I, checks all those sure. boxes? That's hard. Yeah. So that brings me to two cars remaining, and they're a bit wild cardish. Okay. Okay. The last one, I'm actually proud of my find here. I'm going to start with the Lotus Evora S because of the uniqueness, really? the uncommonness. Okay. The fact that it is a paddle shift automatic. But it's an auto, but yeah, point taken. It's a good automatic. It's a good one, yeah. but it's very unique. I'm, I'm thinking the things that, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. the, the high points over here might be mm-hmm. superseded by the low, you know, vice versa, whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then uh, I, I know you can get one for 64. You could probably get one for 60. Lotus Evora S. Kind of interesting. Backseat. Yeah. yeah. That checks that box. Yeah. Which brings me to the last car, and I thought, no, these cars aren't that cheap yet. No, surely not. Uh Uh-oh. Typed in my requirements, and I came up with a 2008 Audi R8 in dark indigo blue with a silver side blade, 42,000 miles on it, and an R-tronic transmission for $64,900. Ooh. I'm just saying. Now, the R-tronic, again, that was a paddle shift automatic. But if it makes you feel any better, it was the same transmission in the Gallardo at the time. Mm-hmm. You're right. You're right. So, and they wouldn't put a slouchy transmission, even though the DCT was years later. Sure. Yeah. It still does suit that car. I love the first generation design. The blue with the silver, it's very striking. 42,000 miles. Yeah, you could talk that's them down 63.5 ish, somewhere in there. Yeah. Have yourself an Audi R8, all wheel drive. Doesn't have a back seat, though. You talk him out. You talk him nine hundred dollars out, and he's underneath his ultimate Paul limiter. You did well there. You did well. There. I'll give you. I'll give you that. <laughs> Other R eights that I found were sixty thousand miles, sure. seventy thousand miles. This one came up with forty two. Hmm. It looked to be great shape, and I'm just saying, you could have yourself an R eight if you could go with the back seats. You know, the back seat delete. I mean, yeah. I'm just saying, putting it out there, but. Um, Hmm. Yeah, I'll send you the link, David, if you're interested. Pretty okay. cool. All right. All right. Good stuff there. My big question over this entire email is the thing that David hasn't answered, and that is, have you driven the R35 right. GTR? Right. That was a mystery and here. And if so, what what years of it? Again, that's a great and, point. So that's my first thing is go drive it. And, and the other thing I would say is don't buy an 09. Don't buy year one. Those are yeah. the ones that kept dropping their transmissions. And, and because they <laughs> tweak that car every single year. I would say at least get a 2010, but I would get the newest one you can. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I don't know what that's going to do for your budget. You're going to have to dig around in your area. My guess is you're shopping 2010s, 2011s. Yeah. And that yeah. is a – it's kind of more like a bike transmission is what it feels like. It's it's clunky and it complains at low speeds, lightning quick when you're moving quick. Yeah. But it yeah, is true. not – that's a car that I've never enjoyed the transmission in any of the normal commute – parking lot kind of ways you mean comfort settings just drive it around it just sounds automatic? It, it the automatic sounds like you're making it angry <laughs> and you probably are you know so don't that's not a reason to not get it but i'm right. just very curious if he's driven the gtr and where it, he's meeting a hero how very does it true. measure up right. is it a car that he goes yeah i still have to have this i i totally get commuting in your gtr you could do it Please don't just commute in your GTR. Please go drive it well, other places yeah. and hammer on it. And that makes me wonder, does it make the MR2 irrelevant? Because you're going to have mm-hmm. time to – because, look, 
and I'm the guy that loves light cars. Are you, I would love to seek out the MR2, but would you really? If, you, if you've been angering the GTR all week, <laughs> just commuting in it, and you want to let it stretch its legs and you want to enjoy it on the weekend, when does the MR2 get driven? I mean, it's far lighter, totally it's different It's a totally driving different experience. driving it, it couldn't be more different. And, and I'm the guy that loves the setup of that MR2. Yeah. But I just wonder. So, so that's my big question is what's yeah. your personal actual driving experience with the GTR? That may be where you end up. We may be just verifying your purchase here, and that's fine. Sure. I want to talk about three other cars. Okay. All of which have back seats. Good. They don't all meet your transmission reality, but they all meet the price. Okay. Start shopping around. You could probably find all of the above. Okay. Okay. Mustang GT350. Now, that's manual only. Okay, right. What you talked about wanting to have unique, wanting to have a car that's enjoyable, that's a car that's enjoyable whatever you're doing. And we commuted across San Francisco in that car. Yeah, we did. Look, I'm not a guy that says go out and buy a manual to sit in traffic. I, I think that's kind of awful. And yet, that car was easy. Now, he did say his commute was going to get shorter here. He did. He so did. that might fit. Totally. So I realize I'm off the reservation on transmission there, but it's everything else. It's unique. Right. It's interesting. It's fun to drive. It's got back seats. It's got a worthwhile trunk. Mustang GT350. And if I'm going to say that, I have to say this. Shop the biggest Camaro you can get. Can mm-hmm. you find yourself a ZL1? Now, the ZL1 also doesn't have a dual clutch. It has that crazy 10-speed. We have an episode right. coming up for Season 2 where it's these two cars. Now, we had the 350R, which means no back seats. I'm saying 350 straight up for you because of back seats. Right. But we had the ZL1. We had the 10-speed auto. So that's a transmission that, while it's not dual clutch, look, BMW themselves have said their next hyper transmission won't even be a dual clutch mm-hmm. because automatics can now kind of do it. Right. I'll, I could debate both sides of that. Alpha feels pretty close. The, the Alpha ZF, they do a really good job, and that's a great point. Close. It's a really good one. In fact, that's not on my list, but it could be. It's a good point. Hmm. But but actually, that's like a $70,000 car. Well, anyway. I don't think they're used in that price range. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, but, but the that, dealer demo. <laughs> frightening. But <laughs> the dealer village bicycle. Drive that Camaro. I'm very curious what your thoughts would be because that's got a much different attitude than the GTR. It's yeah, really got I attitude agree to that. So... Definitely drive that. But then yeah. the car that I feel like is getting overlooked here and must be driven that I think checks every single box. I think about a car you could commute in. Dual clutch transmission. Yeah. Back seats. Yeah. Nice place to be. Yeah. Your budget. Yeah. By the way, you want to hoon it, take it to the track, all of those things. Yes. BMW M2. Yeah. That's a great point. I, I mean, if you told me right now, all right, Todd, you're going to buy a car and you're going to mostly commute in it and you might fun drive it. GTR or BMW M2? M2. I'm done. M2. Yeah, yeah for sure. So I, I kind of feel like that's the car you need because of the kind of driving you're going to do with it. And then the fact – because it's going to be your everyday car, your daily car, and then some fun as well. I think the BMW M2 does it better. Sure. But where are you on that hero? Where's the GTR? So, David, I hope this has been helpful. Yeah. And speaking of that, I think I can speak for the both of us saying that we don't want you to meet your hero and have it for six months and kind of be starting to look around and think, all right, I met my hero. I like the car. Mm-hmm. And, you know, buying big sticky tires that are expensive for a commute. Yeah. Maintenance yeah. on that car has to be done. You cannot skimp yeah. on GTR maintenance. True, true, true. They're pretty bulletproof and they're robust. But don't you dare. But everybody we know that's owned a GTR, their their discussion that they can't help but laugh about is consumables. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That car just eats through stuff you must replace. 
Yeah. What's this hole in my wallet? Ow. It's oh, not, that's the well, GTR gnawing on it's my not, rear it's end not, again. Honestly, that is one of those cars, really. The GTR is one of those cars. Wicked, unbelievable performance. Mm-hmm. But the problem with getting a GTR is not the buying. It's the owning. <laughs> yeah. It's the cost of just yeah. keeping it running like it should. For sure. Yeah. So if you do end up getting a GTR, I hope it is everything sure. you hope yeah, it is and absolutely. want it to be. But great considerations. Let us know. We'll move on to Nicholas' debate here before mm-hmm. the break. He is out in Indiana with a different story about Very. motion sickness. Yeah, It's not yeah, something yeah. you and I have talked about too much. Yeah. Were, you, were you ever get sick as a kid? Not, not really, no. Or anything? Not really, no. But, I mean, I knew those people that did, you know. Yeah. And, and I find – here's the thing. I find now – it would never bother me as a kid. But I find now if I sit in the back seat and I look down like at my phone – and somebody really starts hooning. Oh, sure. Backseat looking down isn't good. Backseat. Because, you know, I've been driving down the 110. And I have texted everyone we traffic. know while you've done that. You're yes, nearly for sure. editing over there. Practically. Could, could you just... Practically, yeah. <laughs> so, I, yeah, it's it's not something that really gets me either. Now, boats and 8 to 15 foot swells, that will do me in, definitely. But uh, otherwise, I'm I'm pretty good. Uh, So he is looking for a fun, fast car that has a gentle ride, but is fun to drive. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because his wife and two kids have motion sickness. His son is five, his daughter is three, and he used to own a Mark V GTI that had a harsh ride, and Mm -hmm. they would randomly barf on canyon roads, (laughs) especially the curvy ones. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, Oh, no. What an interesting story. And honestly, I have to rant on this real quick. Um, Vomit. Is the world's worst substance. <laughs> I don't. I don't know how you would classify that. I'm sure there's a chemist out there that could actually give me the name for it. But it is somehow inexplicably the stickiest and slickest substance on the planet. So Case good. in point: If you have ever, and I have done this, I was at a concert once and nearly broke my leg, my neck because I stepped into a puddle that I promptly practically fell over because it was the slickest thing ever, but then could never get it off my shoe. Now, how that same substance can do both is beyond me. So the idea of having that on a car interior, I am sorry, Nicholas, that's horrific. (laughs) Time to get rid of the car, which he did, and got a 2012 Audi A3, had a smoother ride, and the family liked that a lot better. But now he's looking for a car with power around twenty-five to 30000 So we're mm-hmm. topping out at thirty here. He's liking the 2015 Audi S3 or a similar Golf R. Chevy SS is on the list. He also doesn't want a manual here. So he loves the DCT, yeah. the yeah. DSG transmissions, and the Volkswagen products. Mm-hmm. And he's mm-hmm. asking us, is there any other cars that would be good around that price range, fast, fun to drive, help out the kids, help out the yeah. wife, yeah. the um, – yeah, the, the barf-proof car, I guess, yeah. is what it is. Well, you know, our friends at RSR, who, <laughs> who help us with the, the pilgrimage trip, yes. get us all the cars for the ring and spa. When we first started going, they had comments about, you might get motion sick, blah, blah, blah. Now they have barf bags in the cars. They do. And they demonstrate them in the driver's <laughs> meeting. It is the funniest thing. It's like your own little, you know, it's like the little dog and pony show they do on the aircraft. It's right. the same idea, but worse. So, yeah. Uh-huh. And you know, everybody in the driver's meeting is sort of going, yeah, yeah, bravado. I'm cool. That'll never happen to me. Until it does. Well, you say that. I actually happened to do a lap this year. With one of our adventurers sitting right seat. Oh, yes. He wanted to go with me. And we went and did a lap. And look, I can do a lap on the ring, and I like it, and I'm trying to get better and better, but I am no rock star at it. I know I was driving faster than he he was, but he he had done like two laps. 
Okay. So I got done with lap one, was ready to go again. And I said, you want to go again? And he, he literally like did that thing you do with your mouth where you just kind of, mm, mm. <laughs> and he went, no, I, I, I need to get out. It's like, okay, so we're going to pull over <laughs> right here done. and we're going to be stopping. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So extra information on here on the email from Nicholas is that his wife has a van that she drives, but mm-hmm. he always takes the car because he loves driving. Yeah. So interestingly, this A3 that they own now has an APR tune. Mm-hmm. And it's that Sportback model mm-hmm. that that was similar to that Mark VI uh, GTI. So sister car there. And he's looking for a faster version, car, wagon, something yeah, like that, yeah. and a gentle ride. Yeah. But still fun so the, to drive. The Focus RS is out. Focus RS is, is way, way out. <laughs> Things that destroy your rib cage and your mm-hmm. rear end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, those are out. Okay, so I started here with the list of cars that have MagnaRide on them. Perfect, perfect, because that's exactly where my brain went to. Love it. So MagnaRide, as you know, developed by Delphi a while back and was acquired by a Chinese firm, BWI. And so they have had this on a lot of cars. There's a list of cars. You can find them on the internet, of course. A lot of GM product, which I, which is why I like that Chevy SS on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anything that you can change, and genuinely the suspension changes from comfort to dynamic. Yeah. Dynamic for you, comfort for the family. For sure. And for interestingly, sure. the Audi S3 is on that list. Mm-hmm. So I like that you're looking at this. And I wonder, Nicholas, if you've already been finding the same list and kind of naming cars that have this. But yeah. magnetic ride yeah. in any form transforms the car. Agreed. And it gives you all of those. I, I love that your brain went there and you actually dug in even farther than I, than I did. But that's where my brain went to is that technology is what creates this opportunity. Because yeah. you can go okay. super soft, and then when it's just you in the car, Nicholas, you can go hardcore with it, and off you go. And there is some great GM product in your price range. The Chevy SS, if you can find one, uh, apparently there are only a couple left on lots nationwide that are new. All, all the rest of them are used. I'll be very curious to see what happens to those prices. I'm wondering if it's going to be one of those cars that at some point they just stop a lot higher than people expect them to because the mm. people that have them, that like an S2000. People that have oh, them that know sure. what they are, love them, and they won't sell them for any less. I wonder. I don't know. I kind of suspect it won't, but it has a lot of the touchstones for that. But anyway. Nice so Chevy Sh- Malibus Exactly. What? <laughs> that is the number one problem it has. What so is yeah, Chevy this? SS. But you know what? Also, Cadillac ATS. Yeah, that's very good. Here's a great one. I'm also going to say another thing that is not car dependent, but is along the lines of these magnetic shocks, and that is, what are the wheels on whatever you're getting? Very good don't point. Don't get the big wheel. Get the smaller wheel, Very whatever it is. The, the Mini is notorious for this. The, the, the early Minis were notorious for a terrible ride, especially if you got the 18s. Mm. I'm running the 17s, and it's a stiff car, but I'm running the 17s. Yeah. The same was true on the FRS. It came with 17s from the factory. People put 18s on it and went, oh, well, that was a mistake. So get <laughs> the case to be made for more meat. Seriously, get get the, the wheel. Even if you get the upper-level version, get the lower wheel. Right. Just right. puts more rubber on the sidewall. That You will be shocked how much that improves ride quality. That could be a good compromise. Any mm-hmm. car that you're interested in, maybe it's a little bit sportier, but mm-hmm. you get the wheel and tire package that is actually Agreed. A, a minus one or a minus two yeah. instead of the other direction. You get, you get the base wheel instead of the, can we sell you the 20s? No, you may not. Yeah. You know? That's interesting. I mean, it'll transform the dynamics of the car, of course. But it, but it transforms it in a way. I mean, look, it's not going to be as hardcore, but it goes the direction Nicholas needs it to. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. 
Interesting. Yeah, Todd had some great suggestions on there. I'll add a suggestion that may work. You'll have to go drive it and find out. Take the family for a drive. Lexus product. Lexus IS. Really dug that car. It's on my list. Not magnetic ride. No. But could could work. I'm kind of interested in that car for you. My short list. Thank you. Lexus IS 350, the F Sport. Yeah. It has changes, comfort and otherwise. I think that is one that is definitely on the short list for sure. Hey, look, the LaFerrari has magnetic ride. Uh, per- perfect. That that says family car. I, of course I mean, it does. It's got four seats. Yeah. Well, of course it does. see the problem. We heard a story a while back about... <laughs> it's got uh, four seats. It does. It's fine, right? The LaFerrari? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Sorry, the LaFerrari. I'm thinking the Ferrari FF. You're thinking the Why FF. Am I thinking the LaFerrari yeah. is but the perfect the family car. No, yeah, the, the kids FF are... has four seats. Yeah. The LaFerrari, of course, exactly. does not. They are, they're miniature, tiny seats for your gerbils. I don't yeah. know. Uh, it doesn't yes. even bo- actually. It doesn't even bother to have a seat. It's just the car that has the the pads on the crash structure, and you move everything else to you. Yeah, that's the rather ridiculous. Ferrari is doing this to me. The thing anyway. that Infinity is doing to everybody else. The Q something. I mean, yes. It's just what shape is it? Yeah, I hear you. How many doors does it have? Yeah. So um, anyway, Nicholas, I'm uh, I'm. That's kind of where I'm at. I like okay. the S3 options. I like the Lexus for you. Mm-hmm. Um, we had, I was going to tell this story about, uh, the early magnetic ride, of course, cuts power to the car and therefore the magnetic suspension when the ignition is off and on delivery on the trucks. So the, the car carriers, sure, yeah. it gets very soft. And so over bumps, the front end of the car would bob up and down and hit mer- metal barriers and <sighs> strut braces in there damaging all this Ferraris. And they couldn't figure out what, what's going on. What? Oh, it's the magnetic ride. It's off. It's off. Oh, the, now, this wow. is very early on very early using on. these sure, cars. Sure, sure. But then they, they fixed the problem when the cars are off. Sure, sure. So, yeah, that was, uh, that was something I heard a while back. I'm also curious. Look, I'm going to say this as if it's a fix. I don't know if it's a fix, Nicholas, but I'm going to ask this question. Have you figured out a chain of events that leads to your family getting sick? Are they looking down? Are hmm. they looking at a phone? Are they looking at an iPad, whatever. I mean, my son recently thought he was going to be sick when I took him drifting, but he was looking straight ahead and Ah. into the cabin. And it was like, no, 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 buddy, you've got to look up and out. You have to look where we're going. And once he started to do that, he's still, you can't really tell in the video, he is still riding with both of his hands clasped over his face, over his mouth. Yeah, he's riding both of them on top of each other and wide-eyed and laughing inside his hands. But once he started looking around, he was far less worried about it. So I am curious about that. Is there a chain of events that leads to someone in your family feeling sick? And is there a way to prevent that in addition to the rest of this? Obviously, you need to shop accordingly, but I'm just curious. Hmm. Oh, that's excellent. Well, Nicholas, hope this is very helpful to you. We will take a very quick break for advertising and be right back. What's it like for you watching games of your son coaching? Agonizing. It's a family affair on Attack Each Day, the Harbaugh's podcast. You know, I didn't know there was actual work here. (laughs) Recent guests include Rich Eisen, Judge Judy, John Harbaugh, and the Sklar brothers. That was definitely a great moment to tell our parents, hey, we're not going to go to law school. We're just going to go ahead and do a job we could have done out of high school. Thanks for paying for for college. (laughs) Exclusively on Podcast One Sportsnet. Get episodes every Tuesday at Podcast One and Apple Podcasts. Let's consider the secret life of the innermost nesting doll. Living most of her life in the dark inside the other nesting dolls, she has plenty of time to think, if she could. Sadly, she has no brain. However, when an innermost nesting doll hears that Geico not only saves people money, but also has been providing great service for over 75 years, she thinks it's obvious you should switch. 
Because, yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. Pity the innermost nesting doll and her lot in life. Look at us. We got two car debates done in the first half of the podcast. The great thing about that is more and more questions. <laughs> Changing it up. Yeah, Love for it. sure. For sure. I got one from uh, Neil. I like this. An either-or question. I don't know if you saw this one on Facebook. 996-911 Targa. Oh, yeah. Or MX-5RF. Ooh. Now, my first question for Neil is, how big are you? Yeah, that's a good point. Because the 996 is going to accommodate more people, including people with apparently the freakish body type that I have. Because I really like the RF, but it don't fit. Hmm. If you fit, I would say RF. Interesting. Ah. I never really liked the Targas in that time period. Honestly, I loved the mid-80s, late-80s Targas, and I loved the 993 Targas. I like the 997 a lot. Yeah, the, those are designed and made by Wabasto. They're a supplier in Germany. I know this because they were a sponsored project of one of my school portfolio terms, uh, school projects. Very cool car. And uh, they actually brought one up to the school and showed us everything. You know, we're looking at the car, of course, but, you know, mm -hmm. looking at the top, it was double pane glass, so glass over glass. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. And I actually really dug those. But on the 996, I mean, I want to say Porsche, but I might go RF. The 996 is more interesting. Uh, in a lot of ways, you can have the, hey, I'm driving a 911. And look, the 996s are the affordable Porsche. I get all of this. Yeah, yeah. I just think, personally, I think the RF is more attractive. And because, of course, I'm obsessed with light cars, I think it's the more interesting car to drive hard. I think it's prettier, honestly. Yeah, I think that's very in true. A, in a but small you have, way. But you have to fit. But you do have to fit. Yeah, True. Uh, if we could go 997 Targa, I'd take that. But in this case, probably RF. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. All right. I am uh, looking at questions over here on Instagram. And uh, actually, uh, SCLA fan asks us if we ever have to stop the recording and have an, oh, man, we can't say that on the <laughs> podcast moment. If so, who is the bigger offender? Not really. I mean, sometimes we get ourselves down into a rabbit hole, and then when we stop recording later, we think, you know what? That whole section we talked about, blank. Let's yeah. just chop yeah. that right out. Nobody yeah. needs to know. What ends up happening is that one of us, and, and, and the other one typically doesn't know, one of us will make a time code note and just be like, yeah, this section... Let's re-listen to that, and let's see <laughs> if that's okay or not. So there's been a few yeah. times of that, and that's the thing. I don't think either one of us is the more guilty party. It's just something, and you never know what it is. And and what makes me laugh is the other one of us is almost <laughs> always oblivious. <laughs> right, you're like, you're talking, and I'm listening, and... You know, you're doing fine, and exactly, and and at the same time, the the one that's thinking, "Wait, we got to stop that," has made a little time code note to come back later and be like, "Let's we listen to that." So you be like, "It's probably happened." We're 250 podcasts in. My guess is it's probably happened only about a half dozen times. Yeah, yeah. You just get to talking yourself into a corner. Yeah, and then you think, "Where is the parachute?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's the escape? So we patch? just we 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 just kind of we cut we we we. <laughs> tie off the bleeder if you will and we move on we just cut that section right out and move on yeah exactly oh yeah uh what else on here found struck you uh let's see drew wrote in on facebook you write in a lot of questions drew thank you for that what cars over the course of driving them for the first time defied your personal preconceived notions about them the most mm, this is good and the one that sprang to mind was the c7 corvette Okay, yeah. 
I expected it to be a sports car that was really good for someone else to own. Sure. And I got done driving it and said, I want one. Good one. I like that. For me, it's generally come about in small cars, like Mm, um, mm. the Abarth 500, for example. Sure. I had no idea that car was going to be as fun as it is. Mm, mm. The Fiesta ST, Mm -hmm. the Honda CR-Z. Really dug that car. I think, okay, I'll drive this. This is going to be awful. It's going to be you know one step short of a Prius, something or other. A two-door Prius. And it wasn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a lot of fun. Things like that are, are... generally what strike me it's a little bit tougher when you think okay a lot of power you know sure big chassis big car whatever that is or you know big presence i guess Mm -hmm. you know that uh the corvette is good though the c7 is good and also the first time i ever drove a cayenne yeah you and i happened to be at a porsche event and they had them on track and i remember arriving and being like what's this Uh uh-huh uh-huh sure (laughs) you're here to sell porsches we brought cayennes to the track i drove it on the track and went wait what just happened yeah. You know, does yeah. it, look, there's For my sure. wife will not be tracking our Cayenne ever. Not going to happen. But I was really, I was one of those people, it, without being a Porsche purist, without being some sort of Porsche file like you are, mm-hmm. I was still one of those people that was like, why did Porsche make an unattractive SUV? Why did they make an SUV and then why is it ugly? That was really where my headspace was. Hmm. And then I drove one and went, okay. <laughs> All right, you can do that. And, of course, now I own one. Years later, I own one, and my wife loves it. So there you go. That kind of came back around. Hmm, interesting. All right, well, Nicolay S. on Instagram is asking about our upcoming Velocity season. He's asking if we would be able to watch the Velocity season one episodes on services mm. like iTunes, Netflix, mm. Hulu, or anything else. Now, the entire season one was put together from a lot of existing content in addition to some new episodes. We did ask a lot of people on the most recent meetup about upcoming season two if we staggered it out and it debuted on Velocity and then slightly staggered to to then be put on Vimeo Mm -hmm. and then YouTube much later on. We got a lot of positive response about that, but we haven't been asked about season one yet. Well, and and I want to speak to this specifically for these services, Nikolai. This is a good question. Season one is essentially all available for you on YouTube. It's all there. Everything that played as part of season one can be seen on YouTube. And in some cases, the version on YouTube, the the MX-5 Miata piece, for example, the version on YouTube is about 35 minutes. The one for TV, of course, was 22. Mm -hmm. I kind of prefer the longer version of that piece. It's a little more in-depth. So that's all there. But, But let's speak to these services specifically. Here's the thing that is not common knowledge about all of these services because I've looked into all of them more than once. iTunes, Hulu, Netflix, etc. iTunes, because it's a direct rental, is a little bit of an exception, but let's talk about the streaming services right now. Let's include Amazon in there as well. The way you make your money on those services most of the time is not the actual rentals. It's the fact that Netflix, best example, paid you a really good fee to have your show on there in the first place. It's the buying of the rights got you cash because it is, if you're lucky, pennies for viewers. Right. And they've got to watch a certain amount, and then it cashes out to, hey, pennies. Now, pennies is great if your TV show on Netflix is Friends. (laughs) <laughs> and millions of people are watching it, and the right. algorithm is recommending it a thousand exactly. times. But if you're us, how often are you getting recommended? So how often those pennies happen? That's true of Hulu. It's true of Amazon. iTunes is a bit of an exception because obviously iTunes is direct rental. 
But the other thing you have to know about these services compared to Vimeo, which we do use Vimeo, is I could get way off in the weeds quickly here, but those services have very specific deliverables and very specific percentages that they take. The cost doesn't make sense for us. Yeah, the cost-benefit ratio. The, the amount of cost it would be for us to just break even for putting it on the service is the reason we don't do it. Right. right. Whereas Vimeo is honestly remarkably inexpensive. I realize it's another service. I get it. But it's yeah. so easy. Yeah. It works so well. And the cost-benefit ratio for us is on the right side of the equation. This may change at some point, but I've looked into like I look into it almost annually, and at this point, the numbers don't make sense. Keeping with uh, content questions here, A Sound One is also on Instagram asking us to increase the podcast length to an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Because the ones that don't get velocity, so folks that don't get velocity, and yeah. YouTube is ramping down these months, and by that he means our own content. I will say we still have fast blast coming your way, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but you know, as you've heard, Todd, he's going to be buried under a pile of digital ones and zeros. The next three four weeks are the hardest for sure. Yeah, but I, I think there's still a plan in there to throw some fast blasty mm-hmm. kind of stuff in there. For sure, for sure. And yes, you're right. I, I think depending on the podcast, we might be able to lengthen a few. And that kind of depends on some of the questions and uh, some of the debates. There's folks that have written us books, actually tomes. Yes, yes. And I think, how Volume are one. we going to get through that? Yeah. But he's saying he, he would also support Vimeo for the TV episodes, just as we've been talking about here, which that is would be great. Cool. Well, I think that's something we're probably going to do. We're figuring out all the, the, the reality of that. That's probably something we're going to do. I will say this. Look, I, I'm going to straight up apologize as the editor for the show. I will apologize that the YouTube stuff is not as consistent as, frankly, I would like it to be right now. Well, yeah. I'm just dealing against what's the, the higher priority deadline. But then what I'm excited about on the other side of the equation is getting into 2018. This is the tough time. Once we get into 2018, there will be a really cool stream of content. And at that point, if everything works like it's intended to, to right now, the way we're building it up, the the heavy, really difficult workload is kind of past now. Right, And right. we can stream out steady content. So if you'll kind of hang with us on that, I apologize. Through the end of this year, it will only get better, which is good. Mm-hmm. What else did you find on here? Um... Oh, actually, related to something we talked about earlier, uh, S2KVO on Instagram says, does it make sense to downsize your wheels an inch or two in the winter and in the process go a thinner tire? Hmm. The short answer is yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Because thinner tires have a tendency to cut through the crust a little better. You're not spreading yourself out over the ice. You're cutting through the ice. Theoretically, now I'm talking minimal realities, but it it is truth. Sure. And you're also improving the amount of rubber for drive. Like, for example... I actually only have 17s for the Mini. Both the summer and the winters are both 17s. Right. Was true on the FRS as well. But in both cases, my winter tires were narrower. Mm-hmm. And they're made for that way for that reason mm-hmm. that you're stating. I will also say, go look at the WRC cars and the kinds of tires that they choose to put on for different terrain, mm-hmm. different stages of the rallies. Sure. Yeah, the dirt, they're pretty wide. But then look at their ice tires. They're actually pretty narrow. Yeah, yeah they've got spikes on them. But There's still, that as well, yeah. They do have spikes, or they, they are pretty narrow. And so, uh, yeah, that, that is for that reason. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think you'd be fine. Now, from a look standpoint, that'll change the game a little bit. But for winter weather, I, yeah. I definitely think it's worth it. Yeah, and go with a go with a wheel you really aren't precious about. Yes, very good point. You don't have to go with the little steelies, but go with a wheel that you just know, that's going to get scuffed. It's just welcome <laughs> to winter, yeah. <laughs> Russell G. is also on Instagram telling us that we're great at finding cars for listener situation. Thank you so much. We work hard at this. We actually do research a lot for the podcast here. 
but he's asking us to find a situation for a car. Oh, funny. Which is totally the other way around. He's yeah. giving us an example of when he would ever need a Murano convertible or a Polaris slingshot. Okay. I like this. We could actually introduce this as every so often the segment, hey, this car, you know what would be perfect for? A car in search of a person. That's who we're talking about. <laughs> Pretty yeah, much. That's funny. A person or a beach or a yeah. mountain road or a you know junkyard or, you know. Yeah, for sure. Well, but look at, look at the places that the Polarises of the world do well. Mm-hmm. It's places that you go to that have cruise demeanor and a lot of rental cars available for out-of-town tourists. It's perfect. It's mm-hmm. perfect for that. Yeah. Or, or I will say this, you're the guy who used to ride motorcycles, and for whatever reason, your health, uh, your concern now for safety, oh, whatever point. it is, sure. you used to ride bikes. You want the bike feeling, but you don't want to be on a bike, and you don't want to buy a trike. You don't want to buy one of those those bikes that are actually a tricycle now. Okay, right. I forget what that, the term is, but that's the way I think of them. Okay. You're talking one wheel in the front or two wheels in the, the front? The one wheel in the front trike that actually looks like a motorcycle, but it's got the trike oh, rear yes. wheels. Oh, right, yes. Okay? Right, you don't right. want to buy one of those. That's why you wind up in the I Polaris. I think you have to blast Mariah Carey while you're doing that. We've seen that, and it's frightening. But here's the thing. We actually saw a group of bikers once that were going up Alpine Loop here in Utah, which Alpine Loop is spectacular. It goes up above actual Sundance Resort and goes over the Wasatch Mountains oh, here. It's yeah. a spectacular drive. It is unfortunately not a fast drive because it is about a lane and a half wide and about the windiest road you'll ever find. So the perfect speed for that road is about 15 miles an hour. Here was an entire group of Harley guys, and at the back was their buddy in a Polaris. And I thought, I see it. I get it. Mm. Yeah, I like that too. I, yeah, I'm. My mind is going over here, trying to think of situations. I, I think it'd be fun, you know, just to come the, up with it every so often. The Murano is is the uh, the Murano is the vehicle for an absurdly rich man's third wife. Okay, okay, but hang on, stay okay. with me. He's eighty ish. Oh, she's mid forties. <laughs> I'm going to paint a whole picture Gold here. Gold digger, huh? When, 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 she's mid-40s, though. When she was 25, she was mind-boggling. Okay. At 45, you could see she used to be mind-boggling. <laughs> she's in the Nissan Murano. That's what we're talking about. With the ridiculous rings on the fingers and the... Good this say, is the can person. we start accessorizing the situation, This is the person, too? for sure. That's who, that's who drives that car. <laughs> and somewhere in his brain, he thinks the wife wants a convertible. Yeah. The wife likes ride height. Problem solved. Well, I uh, I actually did hear a story. I cannot confirm this. Somebody can, but Carlos Ghosn, the former CEO mm-hmm. of, of Nissan yeah, yeah, and yeah. Renault, actually had that car built for his wife. This mm-hmm. is why it exists. It was a you know total one-off kind of thing, mm-hmm. limited production run, and his wife wanted that car in a convertible. So, honey, I'm the CEO. I can do anything we want. Kill it with fire. I just that's what should have happened. And there is there's a couple I've seen here. Yeah. I just they they come out in the summertime, and I just think. You know, I also think you know what what's terrible besides the fact that you paid money for that and you're driving it now. When you park it, <laughs> garage space is being used for that. Even that's a waste. <laughs> exactly. Uh, a McFarland's also on Instagram asking about buying hydraulic lifts. You haven't already gotten an, a lift already, have you? You haven't gone ahead and splurged. He's saying, you know, like quick tracks or the traditional post lifts, like the bend pack mm-hmm, stuff, mm-hmm. really expensive. But it is, the, is it worth the extra dough over the normal jack and stands and all that kind of stuff? Could not want one more. No kidding. And that assumes the space, yes. yes. But, I mean, I think that's every guy's dream 
and some girls. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you've got the space and you've got the money and you can do it, pull it off, man, because you're gaining storage. Yeah. But then you're gaining the ability to save your body. I agree with that. That's the big thing I I agree with, for sure. It's helping you and you can Mm -hmm. actually, you're not contorting yourself into positions, into dangerous positions. I mean, doing all that stuff is actually a lot safer. Yeah. Just costs money. For sure. I say it's worth it. Well, I mean, if you're a guy that wrenches a lot, just the ease mm-hmm. of use of getting underneath the car. Look, look this, this Mini that I bought, and I know I, I'm suddenly talking about Minis because I bought one, but this Mini that I bought, that guy had a lift. And when I went to buy the car, he had it on the ground, and I walked around it, and then he pulled it up on the lift. I'm 6'3", at it above both our heads, and we just mm-hmm. walked around and checked right. everything. And just the ability to do that to your car. When, when I got the Lotus up on a lift, I was thrilled. I had just driven it back from L.A. I took it to the place, did the shakedown for me, and I knew what I needed fixed, and then I was looking for other stuff. So just see that car on a lift and walk underneath it and be like, oh, look, there's the engine mounts. That's interesting. Oh, yeah, let's fix that belt. Let's get that belt dealt with. So much easier than contorting myself to get underneath that car. If you have the room and you're a guy that likes to work on stuff, I think the other thing it does is it just gives you visual ability to check a car in a way that nothing else really does. Certainly not easily. Yeah, right, right. Any other questions on here for you? Uh, Let's see. Um, There's many. There's so many. Uh, Scott (laughs) Berger wrote on Facebook and said, uh, name a time when you saw someone that was driving flat out too fast. Usually it's the other way around. They're driving too slow. But who who have you seen that was driving flat out too fast? Cops without their lights on? Uh, That happens. That happens. But you know, the the person that I don't like is the guy that for – he comes out of nowhere and he vanishes to the horizon in traffic doing – 20 to 30 miles an hour above the speed of the rest of traffic and constantly weaving through lanes. Mm, That's a good one. I saw that a lot in LA. Look, and I'm a guy that I like to drive fast. This is, this is my problem. Okay. But I try really hard to not be the constant sweep back and forth through traffic because I feel like eventually that just goes wrong. Yeah. I'm with you on that. It's, it's hard to think of worse situations, you know, where, you know, can end in disaster. And, uh, yeah, I just hate to see that. And, and look, and I will say I've done this, I've done this at, you know, five, over, five over everybody else where you're creeping through traffic and now I'm going to change lanes into that gap. But I'm talking about the people that are doing 20 to 30 above traffic and just sustain it. They're not just trying to get around 20 to somebody 30 above traffic and yeah. using the traffic like a slalom is just, it's inches from disaster. Yeah, no kidding. Well, there's a question from Nick A. on Facebook that I wanted to address. He's asking where we are in digital dashes. So he says, mm, it mm. seems like every car manufacturer is doing it now. For sure. Jaguar, Audi has theirs. It's fantastic. But do we see a collision course with a future when all of our frustration with current infotainment, and by that, Nick, I think you mean all of the digital stuff in our lives, phones yeah. and iPads yeah, yeah. and computers and everything, does that frustration spill into the speedometer, the, the instrument panel area? Maybe, but keep in mind, the design for both of these is very different. If I'm mm. not mistaken, mm. JLR, Jaguar Land Rover, still has their design studio in Portland, Oregon, okay. just for the GOI okay. design folks. And it's a very different mindset and design practice okay. to design the instrument panel and GUI for the kind of information you're receiving in an instrument panel in a car versus the kind of information you receive on a Kindle or uh-huh. an iPad. Or your center console nav, nav screen. All the nav screens, all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Because that's where you have to break it down. You have to consider that's good. what is the information that I need to assimilate quickly mm-hmm. in a mm-hmm. car versus I knew a 
need to absorb what that paragraph said on my Kindle. I need sure, to sure. absorb the nav mm-hmm. screen or whatever that is. So how long are you going to be looking at both screens? And mm-hmm. that starts to determine the design team's direction for this in- infotainment That's stuff. That's good. So then, t- you know, you can keep going further with that by, yes, there's going to be a lot of spillover. Audi is proving that already. Mm-hmm. But you can change it to make, you know, things less wary on your eyes, you mm-hmm. know, especially at night, all those kinds of things. But yeah. visually interesting, but giving you that information the pertinent stuff about the car and your immediate experience. What does a driver need to know right now that mm-hmm. will help him control the car that's excellent. That's excellent. versus just I'm surfing the internet on an iPad? Mm-hmm. Well, and the other thing, I, that's superb. The other thing about it that I had thought of, I hadn't thought about it in those terms, but the thing about it that I'd thought about, I actually really like digital dashes, and I, I like the fact that you can customize them to some degree. Mm-hmm. But the thing that is a, a fundamental key difference that I think keeps them from being something that annoys me, like the touchscreen on a car, is they aren't touchscreens. Sure. They're not intended to be touched and played with and manipulated while you're driving the car. Very good point. It is, a, it is something. Yeah. Now, maybe, maybe you have models, and it will be the course going forward. You'll have models where you can alter what are you showing me, my custom version of this screen. Maybe it requires you to touch it to do that. But it's not something you're going to interact with once you're driving that way. Once you've got it no. set up, it's just, here's my screen, and it's all readouts. It's not interactive. I mean, and the interactive thing is the thing that annoys us because interactive is difficult to do while driving. That's where buttons are helpful. We've driven the Lexus IS with yeah. the feature mm-hmm. between comfort and sport where it actually moves a physical piece of the instrument It panel, slides the disc over, yeah. Slides that over and becomes more sporty. And so mm-hmm. that ideally changes your mindset about your driving too. Sure, yeah. So a physical piece of geometry or, or mm-hmm. instrument panel Came out actually of the L- LFA. moves. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. Instead of just digital, it's kind of combining both, mm-hmm. which I actually really like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's just another visual indicator, and it says, okay, now we're going into, you know, shrug your shoulders, and I'm in a different driving mm-hmm. mode, and the seatbelts tighten, and I, you know, <laughs> inflate the bolsters a little bit more, Funny. and I sit yeah. up a little yeah, bit yeah. more upright, you know. That kind of mindset. Ideally, a good instrument panel and that design would work better in that way, too, and and kind of bring that out of you. Bring the proclivity out of you, I guess. Easy. Yeah, there it is. Mm-hmm. Somebody had asked why we never say proclivity anymore, so I think you and I are just trying to randomly say it. just trying podcast. to solve that one. Because, I, you know, I will speak to that one. I forget who wrote it. I don't have it in front of me, but thank you for that. That made me laugh. I, I will say this. I have a <clears throat> proclivity to get stuck on words, and they're always <laughs> weird words, and I will end up overusing them for a time until my brain goes, you got to stop it. And then it works its way out of my vocabulary, and it comes up every now and then like normal people. <laughs> Awesome. There's a couple questions I had left on here on Facebook to answer about uh, Mr. Zhang's question about the Cayman Evolution, E-Volution. Mm-hmm. This is the electric Cayman, everyone. I'm very excited. Now, this is a one-off. Mm-hmm. There's no plans for anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it's a pinky toe in the water. It's just test customer reaction. Sure. I'm intrigued by this because if anything could and should be electric, it's a Cayman. It's it's a great platform for that for sure. And I think it I think Porsche is going to have options. I think they will be yeah. one of the best brands to give all, what what kind of propulsion do you want with a sporty flair? I can add to that and the reason is Porsches with the exception of Cayennes and the Panamera, but they don't have grills. Mm, it's all fair point. I'm talking about Caymans and 911s obviously. But design-wise they really don't. They've never had the corporate grill, BMW yeah. with the twin kidney, you know, Mazda with its shape, Acura they with they its They don't have to incorporate because of the 911 Pentagon shape. Yeah. yeah. 
Interesting They've point. They've never had a grill, so they can actually do it a little bit easier. That's a, that's a great point. I hadn't thought about that design-wise. That's excellent. Uh, let's see. Scott Durrell asked a question about, okay, so dreaming for a question. Hey, Scott, how are you? Dreaming for a question of you have a car you found. It's your dream car. It's finally available. You have the order book. You're able to get it. And then you discover that you can't do your perfect combo. Mm, if no. you get the right interior <laughs> colors, you can't get the right exterior color or you get the perfect exterior color, but that only comes with interior options that are just not right. What do you do? The answer is you get the interior like you want it and you wrap it. Oh, excellent. that's the answer. Excellent. You get at that point, then you go the place I wouldn't go. You go, you, you figure out, is it silver or white? Which one's going to resale better? You buy that exterior color that you don't like and you wrap it into something skittle worthy. Excellent point. I was going to say, I've seen so many cars that I'm interested in as I'm cruising along through the pages of, of yeah, cars yeah. for sale uh -huh. on the internet, sure. yeah. as one does. And I come across, hey, that'd be a great car. And then the interior is lipstick red. Like, mm -hmm. who buys this? Well, the S2000s that had the pale blue interior. Yeah. Also kind of, yeah. Meh, yeah. it wouldn't really stop me, but it'd kind of be like, ah. How badly do I want this? Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. Right. Okay. I, I lied. Two more questions. One from Dammy. <laughs> Dammy, how are you? Thank you so much for being so engaged as you are and, and to all of you as well. But he's asking about Kia and he's hearing people need, saying Kia needs to go the route of Hyundai where they've got the luxury line of Genesis to actually sell the Stinger under a different brand or a different nameplate mm -hmm. and therefore differentiate it more. I disagree Okay. I think the stinger okay. for Kia is actually going to help the brand, and all these products from Kia will continue to boost the brand in the public eye and public Maybe. consciousness. Maybe. And people will say, well, well that's a Kia. I, I had no idea they mm -hmm. were that good or that interesting visually or great to drive, whatever, mm -hmm. insert line here. I think that will – that's very savvy as a matter of fact. Okay. Because, yes, it isn't a name that gets by – just on its own merits, but if sure. the product actually sure. starts to back it, I mean, let's talk about Samsung products from years past. Okay, everybody okay. wanted the Motorola's and then the Apple iPhone, and then Samsung was slowly creeping up in here, slowly, sure. slowly, sure. slowly. Yeah. And then now they do so many things better than iPhones. Yeah, fair point. You want the Samsung? Okay. Fair point. So you know, it just the product backs the name and continues to burnish the name. That's my thought. Okay, that's good. That's good. Uh, one last question I had from John Rene. Thanks for writing in. He uh, He's had a lot of good questions over, over the years, but this one is interesting because I don't know if I have a conclusion yet. If you could do what you can't do, the cannonball run. Let's just <laughs> say that. You're going to drive cross-country as fast as you want, no restrictions. What's Ooh. your car? Oh, Oh, this is hard. It's very hard. It's very hard. I think right now, though, I'm saying Mercedes GT. Wow. That's up there. Because when you've got Kansas <laughs> or eastern Colorado where it's a dot on the map in a straight line, that engine is glorious. When you have to go slow and think about your interior and you're not – that's great still. And if you find yourself on a twisty back road, it's fine with it. Huh. I'm going to go Mercedes GT for right now. Huh. That's a, that could be a T-shirt. I'm thinking of T-shirt names over here. Kansas in a full tank. AMG. That's your answer. <laughs> Kansas in half a tank. Anyway, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I'm coming back to a 911 Turbo S. Of course you are. I, that's, yeah. that's me car. Yeah. GT, track, you name it. I know. I know. That's me car. 
All right, Joe B. On Facebook, he's asking, if we have $3,000 to spend, which stock 1990s Japanese car would you rally cross? Hmm. Easy. Okay. Mitsubishi 3000 GT that, VR4. That was my first thought, too. Was it really? Are they that cheap, though? Can you find the, well, the, the VR4 for three grand? Probably. pretty beat down. Probably, yeah. But somewhere out there. Uh, the all-wheel drive Eagle Talon and the Mitsubishi oh, all-wheel drive at the same time. Oh, I like that, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mitsubishi was hot. Yeah, they absolutely. They were so hot. Absolutely. What happened? Yeah. <sighs> because now they have to sell, you know, uh, bad lipstick color mirages. That's That, that was uh, really their so goal. Awesome. Yeah, that was their goal. Well, guys, thank you so much for writing in. If you've got your own debate, write to us at everydaydrivertv at gmail.com or find us at everydaydriver.com, and many of you are writing that way. So that, those are for the debates. And as you can tell on social media, if you've got some burning car question, if it's newsworthy, anything else, let us know when we ask for questions. And I had one other thought that I meant to mention earlier. Thank you to those of you that have already ordered. It is still available on Blipshift. We're going to do kind of our, our less yeah. logo-based and more funny shirts will be on Blipshift. We have the Daily Triple shirt. It's there. It's available. You can go to Everyday Driver uh, through Blipshift. So it's blipshift.com. Blip I can't say that fast. <laughs> I, I keep screwing it up. That's a tongue twister, yeah. Blipshift dot com slash everyday driver you can find it there or you can get there from our website go to the store tab and you'll see it there as well guys thanks a million look forward to talking to you next time cheers will your child be ready for kindergarten at chesterbrook academy preschool the answer is yes our curriculum offers the perfect balance of learning and play our teachers personalize that experience for each child through engaging activities that develop the skills they need to be ready for what comes next. Attend a Chesterbrook Academy open house on Saturday, January 26th from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. To find a preschool near you, click the banner or visit chesterbrookacademy.com. That's chesterbrookacademy.com. Geico presents unhelpful home improvement how-tos. A slippery bathroom floor can result in expensive hospital bills. So today, I'll show you how to cushion a serious fall by filling your bathroom with thousands of plastic balls. Just nail a piece of plywood across the doorway and dump in 2,000 multicolored plastic balls. You could try to protect yourself with a bathroom full of plastic balls, or you could get liability coverage through the GEICO Insurance Agency. Visit GEICO.com and see how affordable renter's insurance can be. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. Federal government worker Blake Murray in D.C. says he's pretty much had it with the partial government shutdown. It's pretty demoralizing, um, you know, and I feel like kind of a pawn in a political game and totally powerless. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is asking President Trump to postpone his January 29th State of the Union address, citing security concerns. But Republicans say this is just politics, shutdown politics, a move intended to keep President Trump off the national stage. Going to prison for 20 years, a Tennessee teacher who took a 15-year-old student and ran for weeks prosecutor Dan Cochran. I think it's a serious sentence. 20 years is a significant amount of time. He's going to have all that time to think about what he did, the consequences of it. We asked for 30, obviously, but 20 is a very serious sentence, and we feel good about it. An employee and a customer at an IHOP restaurant in Huntsville, Alabama, were killed in a shooting that also injured another employee. I'm Rita Foley.